Our call to worship today is found in Psalms 89, verses 14 through 16. That will be found in your pew Bibles, um, number 549, page 549. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. Our New Testament reading today is found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 20 to 24, in Pew Bible, page number 1081. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you were about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Today's Gospel reading will be found in Book John, um, chapter 7, verses 14 through 24, and can be found in your pew Bible, page 985. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Anyone who wills to do, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keep the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The people answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marvel. Moses, therefore, gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous, with righteous judgment. Well, these texts uh, speak strongly for themselves, and yet I have uh, more than half an hour to, to expand on them. Before I get going this morning, I want to just uh, thank those people who will be covering for me while I take my son to Walla Walla. My wife and I are going to take a couple of weeks, so we're going to be gone the 8th. I'm actually going to be doing the church service in Exeter, California, her where her parents go to church. It's this little tiny church of 60 people in a little town there, and so we're going to have a kind of a surprise thing for them. And Linda Scotto will be, be preaching here next week. Amen. Amen. So she's going to be sharing her story and some perspectives and some things on children's ministries and education, and I know you're not going to want to miss that. So please uh, make a point of being here at 11 next week, if not at 9 or maybe 9.30. 
And uh, we'll look forward to uh, hearing good things from the Sabbath we've missed with you. And Linda, I'm looking forward to listening to that on, uh, online. So thank you for taking that. And our former pastor, Rick Rofler, will be with us here for the 15th. And so we have something to look forward to there, too. As always, if you have a pastoral need or difficulty, the West Region office is your ultimate uh, one-stop shop. But we have a, a terrific board of elders as well. So you can call Mel Tinkle or any of our elders, and they'll be happy to, happy to help you. All of the Thornburgs pretty much are elders, so if you, you, know, you know them. Give them a call if anything's going on that you need to, need to deal with. Well, I didn't know whether the church would be empty today, given that it's Labor Day, or if it would be full, and it's full, and that's uh, really exciting. So thank you for making this your Labor Day stop and shop. Weren't the flags beautiful down Lyons Boulevard? Did you see that today? How many came in on Lions? Okay, it was terrific. Take, take a drive down there. It's, it's really pretty in the morning light or in the evening light. And uh, just reminds us of our good fortune in living where we live despite the challenges and uh, debt clock and all that good stuff. Uh, we're very fortunate indeed. Lots of good, good things to celebrate. Well, it's back to school time. And, I, you know, sometimes you just have to reach a little bit, you know. Put yourself in my shoes. You're trying to come up with something new every week, and now it's eight years of trying to come up with something new every week. And uh, it just hit me. It's Labor Day. No, I don't really want to do anything with that. But it is back-to-school time, and spiritually, that always applies. Are you ever done spiritually? No. That's why we call it a journey. We're on this journey, and yet so many times we take a break from it or pause from it or neglect it or forget about it. We don't think of our obligation to continuing education in this journey. Now, my premise this morning is actually as heretical as any you've ever heard me preach. But it's not really heretical. It's thoroughly biblical. It's just not usually the way we think. And I'm going to frame it for you, and I'm going to come back to it, but I'm going to give you the texts in between, and I just want you to ponder this. You see, when we're children, Paul says we think as children, we act as children, but when we become men or women, we think as adults and act as adults. We put away childish things. At one point in our development, we drink milk, and another point in our development, we eat meat or soy meat. So we, we have developmental stages in our upbringing, and I'm not going to re- recite all of those for you. I'm not sure I could, especially since now adolescence is divided into three sections of adolescence. And instead of ending in adulthood at 18 or 19, we go all the way up to 24, 25, 26, depending on who you're talking to. Human development, however you want to look at it, is lifelong And it takes a long time to grow an adult. Tremendous amount of nurture, tremendous amount of education. We start out with very little information from the womb, but all of the information that we've had within the womb we take with us. And we develop from there, and our brains are just like these massive sponges, which is why we sleep all the time. Our bodies are growing just exponentially, and our brains are just taking off too. And then there's this alert phase where we get past the sort of doorstop phase of, of infancy, as I called it. You didn't experience that? Cute? But it, okay, never mind. 
and move into a very curious kind of aware of the world kind of thing. This is typically where dads get more interested. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I can interact with that. It starts to be fun. Facial expressions start to get made and read, and we stick our tongues out and say silly things and do all sorts of stuff to try to get a reaction from the baby. Well, you know the story as well as I do. Pretty soon they're crawling, pretty soon they're walking, pretty soon they're talking, and then we wish they weren't talking. And pretty soon they're asking questions, and pretty soon everything is why, 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 and we uh, get through that phase. And then there's just a couple years of sort of innocent sweetness in which things are being added to, and then, oh boy, early adolescence hits and sometimes nastiness with it. Our children become unrecognizable to us. Those as their former sweet little things, and they mature through that phase. Into it, just keeps going, doesn't it? And one day we look at them, and they're fine adult human beings, and we're feeling old but good. It happens so quickly; it just is unimaginable to us. And yet, it took forever, didn't it? You're quiet. Am I speaking nonsense, or are you just agreeing silently? Yeah. You know, we don't and can't and shouldn't separate all of that from the spiritual journey. And if we don't do it in the early stages of life in which we're moving toward adulthood, we shouldn't do it through those stages in adulthood either. Because in early adulthood, you start to move toward competencies intellectual competencies, physical competencies. You start to move toward a capacity to earn a living. And as you do that, you begin to expand your thinking and your opportunities. And many of us at that point think about family. And then that expands us further because as anybody knows, parenting is an education all its own. Priceless and extremely expensive. It's all of that, right? And then we move into other phases if we're fortunate, if illness or injury or cataclysm hasn't claimed our lives somewhere along the line, if we haven't uh, become disabled in such a way that we can no longer participate. If we're fortunate, we move into older stages of life in which we may take on a second career, a new career, a shift. We develop new competencies. We become grandparents and we're we're, we're past the age of feeling like we have to make the child into something, and now we just get to spoil the child. Uh, That's always fun, too. But it's a different kind of spoiling than a parent would do. It's a wisdom that's infused as well, a love, an open generosity, a care. Many of you are grandparents who are actually raising children spiritually, your children's children. You're bringing them to church. You're talking to them about God because your own children aren't in a place where they're ready to do that with their kids. The last competency is making that acceptance that we are mortal and we move from this life to the next. And each of these has a spiritual dimension. Each of these has a spiritual uh, reality that if we're focused on, we just naturally move and grow and develop in that way. But religion does something for us along the way that's important too. It teaches us the importance of competencies where scripture is concerned. It's it's obvious to us. We need to read. We need to read the scriptures. We need to memorize. We need to memorize key passages. We need to be able to find our way around the books. So we memorize the books of the Bible. We 
Memorize things that other Christians know, like the Lord's Prayer or Psalm 23. We develop a familiarity, a language that surrounds Scripture that helps us communicate with one another huge spiritual concepts in one word. Justification, sanctification, salvation. Huge concepts, one word. We begin to master answers, at least for the moment, appropriate to our stage of development and thinking in life on all kinds of, uh, to answers to all kinds of questions. How should we live? What is, what is my relationship to good and evil? And why is evil in the world in the first place? Who is God to me? All of these sorts of things. We have these questions as we go through. Well, when we think about key figures in scripture or history that we admire most, we feel have reached the highest level of spirituality, one of them is Jesus. Jesus had some amazing things to say. What we see in the life of Jesus is that he didn't, he knew the scriptures. Let me, let me be clear on this. Jesus knew the scriptures but he moved past the scriptures. I see a few of you nodding. It is written, but I say unto you. You see the correction? In this passage we just read in John, and I'm going to get to it momentarily. In this passage in John, Jesus talks about a teaching that he didn't receive from anybody but the one who sent him. It seems to be a direct reliance on a communication with God. Let me ask you a question. Who was the first person to see heaven in, in Scripture? Enoch. Thank you. Good for you, Majid. Enoch. And what the Bible tells us what about Enoch? It says, Enoch walked with God. Did Enoch have the Bible? No. no. Did Enoch have any Bible? No. Did he have the Hebrew Bible? No. He had no Bible. Enoch, well, Enoch wasn't even privileged the way Adam was privileged. Adam and Eve physically met with and walked with God where? In the garden. And yet we don't read that Adam and Eve were translated. We read that Enoch was taken taken to God's house directly without seeing, without seeing death. Enoch walked with God and it became righteousness to him. So now here's a man so close to God and yet without scriptures. Who do you think his teacher was? God. God was his teacher. The Spirit was his teacher. He walked with God. He listened to God. He paid attention to the still, small voice of God. He honored his conscience. He sought. And he was honored. Who was the second person to see heaven? Moses. And we know this from Jude, chapter 1. We know that Moses died and was buried on the mount, but that he was resurrected. Now Moses is counted as one of the greatest of the prophets. 
without question, one of the greatest of the prophets. Did Moses see God? Yes, in a very limited kind of way, right? Because no man can see God and live. He was tucked into the cleft of the rock, facing away from God, shoved back up in there, and God passed with his back to Moses. And Moses was so lighted up from that whole, lit up from that, lighted, so lit up from that experience. I think potato does have an E at the end of it. Um, So lit up from that experience that he had to veil himself. People couldn't stand to look at him. So yeah, Moses saw God. Moses made his mistakes, but who did Moses learn from? Did he have a Bible? No, if we follow tradition, and you know there are scholars who take issue with this, but if we follow tradition, Moses was the author of the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible. A key contributor to the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, came from Moses. This is why Jesus in John says, Moses gave you circumcision. And then he says, well, it wasn't Moses, it was the forefathers. Who really gave circumcision? To whom? Abraham. That's what I was looking for. Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation. Circumcision came to him. And that's way before Moses. But Moses codifies it in the law. So now Moses is the author of law, and yet he is, without Bible himself, just an experience of the living God and leading through trial and error, listening to God, following God's directions, making his mistakes, and he's resurrected to be with God, according to Jude. Who's the next person to see heaven? Elijah. Does Elijah see death? Does Elijah have a scripture? Yes. Yes. Elijah is blessed. Elijah has the Torah. And he has many of the prophets. Not all of them. He has, he has a number of things that he can, he can draw on spiritually. And by the time Elijah's come along, there's a school of the prophets going as well. A kind of educational center for the teaching of, of word, God's word. So in some ways he's advantaged. But is he limited to the text? Elijah listens and acts courageously and does what God asks him to do. He has a direct connection, a living relationship with a living God who tells him to do unpopular, even dangerous things, and he does them. Who's faithful in God's house, and yet at the end of one of his greatest moments completely collapses after a run in terror. But he allows God to minister to him, even in his fallen, tired, exhausted, fearful state. He allows God to tuck him into a cave and speak and say, Moses, I mean, excuse me, Elijah, you're not going to find me in fire or wind or earthquake. You're going to hear me by my still, small voice. Elijah gets translated. Isaiah says it graphically and well. Let's turn to Isaiah 54. Turn to verse 13. 
Let's read it together. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. That's referenced in the New Testament, by the way. They shall all be taught by God, it says. When we think of going back to school, we have to do what's appropriate to our grade level, whatever that is. I'm here to tell you that you cannot learn the master's tricks from a master if you're still learning the fundamentals. What you need if you're at a level one is somebody in level two or three to teach you at level at one. And you're level two, you need someone at three, maybe four to teach you. But when you're at level five, you can only be taught by somebody at level six. You can't be taught by someone at level one, two, three, or four. You can journey with somebody at level five. But you can only be taught by someone at six. They shall all be taught by God, it says. So I'm getting closer and closer to my heresy. Are you tracking with it? At some point, you shall all be taught by God. That's the heresy. You ready to throw me out of the tabernacle yet? Call for my stoning. I want you to appreciate how revolutionary this is. What this means is that someday you will even outgrow scripture and the spirit will be your guide. (gasps) You said amen to that? Okay, I can sit down. I'm just blown away. We're on the same page. That's tremendous. Did Jesus know his scriptures? How well? He was the scriptures, yes. He had, okay, that's maybe an unfair choice of example. Uh, He was the scriptures. He knew them intimately, but did he also know the writings that we call the scriptures? He was the word, but did he also know the word? Yes. Jesus quotes scripture prolifically. He had it memorized. I guarantee you, Jesus had memorized vast sections, if not all of Isaiah. Vast sections of the Psalms. He knew well the Torah. Every good Jew did. But he wasn't privileged. He wasn't wealthy. And when he went to talk at 12 years old in the temple, around the time of his bar mitzvah, when you know, Joseph and Mary end up leaving him after the bar mitzvah at the temple, okay, that's what it was. They didn't have a lot of money, but that's what that was. It wasn't the kind of party we have in Beverly Hills these days that the Kardashians are invited to. Uh, it was something else, but it, 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 he was about the age of coming of the age of coming of responsibility, basically. And his parents leave, and when they get back, they're all in a panic. And why didn't you find us and come with us? And they kind of blame him. And he says, "Look, I had to be about my father's business." And all at the temple are astonished at what he knows. Well, first of all, it's because he is the Word. You've identified that correctly already. But he got taught. His parents taught him. He read. He listened. He learned. He knew. He grew up inculcated in the word. And was the word. And so he speaks wisdom. 
Because he's not looking at the minutiae of the law. He's looking at what does the picture tell me about my father? That's the perspective. What does this say about the creator God? What does this say about the one sent? Now Jesus, fast forward to his speaking in John 7. Let's take a look at that passage, which was read for us. The festival of tabernacles we see in John chapter 1 heading, I mean John 7 heading. And we started reading in 14 and I'll reread. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed. I love that word. Slack-jawed. And asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Let's review what we said earlier. Enoch, no scripture. Walked with God. Learned who God was by his daily walk and experience and connection with the living God. Moses, oral tradition. If he is indeed the author of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, he got that from oral tradition. So he had much of that in his head, but he puts it to word and codifies what God gives him through much of the rest. Leviticus is all directly from, from Moses or that period. So you have, you have all of this happening and he's leading and he's making his mistakes, but he's God's person and he's resurrected. Elijah, some scripture, hard times in Israel, apostasy. They've turned away from the true and living God. The kings are corrupt. The queens are corrupt. And he stands as God's person, courageously, and yet in a human way. And he sees no death. He journeys with God till he too is closer one day to God's house than his own. And God takes him. Jesus Christ, how does he know what he knows? Who is this man's teacher? The Pharisees want to know. The same question asked of him as a child or as a child becoming a man in the age of accountability. And Jesus answers this. My teaching isn't my own. It comes from the one who sent me. That's a powerful statement. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? And at this point, all the antennas go up and all the flags go up and everybody gets really hostile. What do you mean? What do you you mean not one of us keeps the law? What do you mean we're trying to kill you? You're demon-possessed, the crowd said. Who's trying to kill you? Indeed. What a thought. Who are you to say such a thing? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle 
And you're all amazed. Yep. Because Moses gave you circumcision, though it didn't actually come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath day. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a whole man's body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by appearances, but instead judge correctly. We live in a society in which we are now used to bad verdicts coming from law. The law itself may not even be all bad. There may have been a time, a purpose, a reason it was enacted and put in place. It made sense at the time it was created or in the circumstances it was created. But it's come to be applied in such a way that it hurts the innocent. Pharisees meant good, I'd like to think, at some point in their lives. They wanted to be God's people. They wanted to do the right thing. They wanted to be observant. They were careful about the law. They revered it, but they missed the point of the law because all of the law and all of the prophets and all of the scripture in toto point to whom? Jesus, the one sent. They shall all be taught by We live in a society in which people are increasingly hostile to Christians. Increasingly skeptical about the word of God and the scriptures. Seeing no value in it. You'll hear comedians, you'll hear commentators, you'll hear people openly criticizing. Oh, Jesus of the New Testament just seems so angry and they'll read a passage. They'll read some of these crazy stories from the judges and say, really, we're supposed to take inspiration from this? You know, one where somebody who's having uh, illicit sex is like the pole is driven through both of them and they're hung up on a, before the camp of Israel. You know, one of those stories. The kind of stories nobody preaches. They don't preach well, those stories. Maybe I'll try sometime, see what you think. I could be a first. Something to look forward to. <laughs> These are hard stories for us about a God who seems angry and punitive. If we're honest, we have to look at some stories and say, does that really represent the person of God we know? If we're honest, sometimes we hear things put together in such a way that we go, I wonder if that really represents the best of our moral thinking. I wonder if that really represents the truth as we feel led to it. Now, I want to be very careful here because I want you to understand the only point at which it's safe to ask those questions is six. Five, six. If you haven't spent time in the Word, that's the starting place. If you haven't learned those stories, it's time to learn them. If you haven't worked through the God of the Old Testament and seen Jesus in that, it's time to go there. If you haven't studied the words and teachings of Christ thoroughly, always a good thing to do. If you haven't meditated on his cross and found yourself humbled and broken, 
If you haven't given yourself in humility to the teaching that comes from body and from spirit, there's work to be done. It's time to go back to school. It's time to get the continuing education on. If you haven't been listening to the still small voice, it's time you get on your knees and apologize to the living God and tell him you want to hear. And when you hear, act. Not craziness. If you have voices in your head, come talk to me. I have several good referrals. I'm not talking about an insanity. By the way, I know people, I want to qualify this because this is the danger. The danger of what I'm teaching you now is that there are people who think they're on this journey and they're spiritual narcissists. It's all about them. They believe that they've got this thing, some sort of unique or special connection, that that they don't have to subject what what they've been told or what they're hearing to the word of God or to the body, that they're above that. These are the dangers that can come in this. So I'm not suggesting... And and we all know that there's a fine line between hearing what can't be seen and voices in your head. And the latter one is not a good thing. You know what I'm talking about? There are a lot of religious people in the loony bin. They're there... They fixated on some things that have religious implication or value, and it's not been a healthy thing in their lives. I want to take you back to what I said earlier so that you can connect them, keep them connected. I talked about human development, right? Cradle to grave, how we're on a journey and it has spiritual implications at every phase. It's why a completely non religious person might identify themselves as spiritual at some level. Because it all has a spiritual dimension to it. Is learning to share a spiritual thing? Yes? No? I can't hear you. It is. But is it exclusively a spiritual thing? No. It's got a practical dimension, right? Sharing has social benefit, doesn't it? So you don't have to be a religious person or a spiritual person to learn to share. And yet you're developing spiritually if you do learn to share. It happens automatically. It's embedded in the process of growing old. A wise old person is to us a valuable, valuable thing. Person, not thing, but you get the idea. Valuable because this collected wisdom has a spirituality to it that's inseparable from age and from their their journey. Even if that journey hasn't been particularly religious. It helps if it has been deeply religious. Most often, it helps. Am I making sense? So this is all, all comes together here. They shall all be taught of God. What I want for all of us, and we won't all do this, we won't all get there, I want us to be the kind of people immersed in Scripture, in the Word, learning, growing, praying, listening, journeying, Maturing, learning service, learning grace. What I want for all of us is to begin to internalize it. Because there's a covenant that's written. Turn to Hebrews 8. 
I'm reading in verse 8. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the new covenant I will establish with the house of Israel. At that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. He wants... God, I'm giving you what God wants for you. I want it for you too. I want the, I want the word internalized. And when that starts to happen, and you're listening to the Spirit of God, you'll move to a place where you are taught by God, because there's no human teacher who can take you any further. All scriptures are useful for teaching, instruction correcting, exhorting, giving us wisdom. But it all comes from God. And if we'll listen, if we'll choose to grow, if we'll choose to invest ourselves in His Word and in the Word made flesh, amazing things will happen in our lives. Things we won't regret things that will draw us near to the house of God. That's what I want for us as we go back to school, day after day, week after week, season after season. I can only take you so far, but one day my hope is we shall all be taught by God. Empower your church, Lord, to live in you, to move and have their being in you, and to walk with you, that indeed we might all be taught by you. Amen.